Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. considered to be the, the greatest of the art song composers because he had such sweet, sweet melodies always. And Miss Ginger plays it so well. <laughs> So before we have our sermon today, um, we know that in the month of April we have lots of uh, lots of folks who have birthdays. So if you have a birthday in the month of April, would you please raise your hand? Oh, look at this! <laughs> We've got quite a, quite a few, huh? Quite a few in the month of April. All right, you're all turning 27, Miss. <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead and uh, let's sing Happy Birthday. All right. Okay, so who added all those up? <laughs> Congratulations. Let's sing Happy Anniversary, all right? Happy Anniversary to you.
I'll tell you, if you weren't here last Sunday, you missed out. That's why it's so important to be here every Sunday. Because last Sunday, we gave you a free lunch. <laughs> In the back there, we had a nice, oh, so delicious time together. A time of sweet fellowship and the delicious food and sweet desserts and, and uh, all the trimmings. And I want to, uh, to recognize our social committee and the chair, Ms. Coletti. Would you ladies please stand? Right. Oh, she stepped out. Okay. All right, well, we'll have to recognize her when she comes back in, but the others are here, so let me have you go ahead and, and stand. Those of you who are on the social committee, all right? Okay. Yes, indeed. We thank you. You know, there's a tremendous amount of work that goes in to, to making that possible. There's a tremendous amount of, of planning and uh, organizing, and then of course all the cooking, you know, and then setting it up, and then tearing it all down, you know, and, and cleaning it all up and taking it all home. So we want to say thank you. Thank you so very much. All right, so I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter seven. We're moving on here. And in the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, we're looking at the first six verses, and we'll also look a little bit at, uh, at the 12th verse uh, this morning in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, and beginning at verse 1, in the Gospel of Matthew. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And then verse 12, please. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Our Father in God, we come to you and we ask that as we study your word this morning, that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit, to the glory and the honor of the Lord Jesus, and to the benefit of your people, that we might serve you better, and that we might better understand the privilege and the responsibility that we have as Christians as people who know you, to share your love, your compassion, your forgiveness, and your hope with the lost and dying humanity. We thank you again for your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. So perhaps the most quoted and best known of all the verses in the Bible, now you think that John 3.16 is uh, the most quoted by those who believe in the Lord. 
perhaps. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? But even believers like to quote this passage. Or unbelievers, I should say. As a matter of fact, the unbelievers really enjoy quoting this passage. Did you, did you realize that? Don't judge me. Who are you to judge me? Isn't that right? And this is where they get it from. That's right. In Sunday school, we were uh, discussing the letter uh, the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonian uh, Christians there at the uh, Thessalonian church. And he, he urged them to live lives of holiness and purity. Moral lives. Because they lived in a society much like ours today, where people say, well, don't tell me how to live my life. This is my life. Don't tell me how to live my life and by what standard I'm to live my life by. I'll decide. If it's right for me, then it's right, whether you like it or not. Don't judge me. Who are you to judge? And this is where they get it. Well, let's take a look at that word, judge. Now, these are just a couple of the various uh, defining terms or synonyms, because there's a whole host of them. Judging, to distinguish, to decide. Ah, but it also includes to condemn, to punish, to damn, or to avenge. Now, you may have heard certain politicians, they they like to equate Islam with Christianity. There is no equality there. That is an evil, wicked religion. It is a false religion. One of their positions is that if a person dies or was, was killed by someone, that they can't rest in peace unless their death is avenged by the death of the person who killed them. You see, that flies in the face of the truth of Scripture. It's false. But yet, many people live that way, don't they? This idea of getting, getting even with people. So is Jesus saying that we should never judge anything? No, he is not saying that. He is not saying that whatsoever. What he is saying is that we are not to be people who live a life that believe we are the judge and the jury and we condemn or sentence people. We don't have that right. Only God has the right to condemn. And only God can condemn. Only God, not us. For we are all sinners, like everyone else. Jesus came and he said, I have come to call the sinners. I've come to heal the sick because every human being is a sinner with the exception of Jesus Christ himself. He is the only perfect human being. But we are to distinguish between right and wrong. We teach our children to, to distinguish between right and wrong. And we also teach them to make decisions. Do we not? And we, we make decisions every day. Do you not, when you go to the grocery store, look for the best deal? 
<laughs> yes, that's all wrapped up in this word judging. In the Greek, it's klino, all right? But it has all of these different definitions. But the way that Jesus is using it here has to do with this, this condemning attitude that people have toward others. Or this, this critical, overly critical and judgmental attitude that people have toward others. And they seek to punish, to condemn, to damn, and to even take out of vengeance upon them. So what is the standard for judging or distinguishing? Well, God's holy word. God's holy word. It's very clear. Once again, all you have to do is go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. And in Exodus chapter 20, you find the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments have always been true. They will always be true. Jesus, however, illuminated our understanding and made observance of the commandments not just something that was outward, but inward, in the heart. And isn't it in the heart where people have a tendency to condemn others, to point the accusing finger at others, without recognizing that when you point that accusing finger at others, there are at least three pointing back at you. And Jesus uses some hyperbole here. But before we get to that, notice, whose standard again is to be used? There are those who, who want you to believe that, that you're to abide by their cultural standards. I don't care what culture it is, or what ethnic group it is, or a combination of ethnic groups. If those standards violate the scripture, they're wrong. Let me repeat that again if, in case that wasn't clear enough. It doesn't matter what a person's ethnic group is or what their culture is if their standards do not meet the standard of the scripture, those standards are wrong. I have no problem sharing that. That's offensive to many people. The Bible teaches morality. And again, God is not confused when it comes to male and female. And here's something else. Science isn't even. It's very clear. One little speck of saliva can be analyzed by a scientist. And you know what he can do with that one little speck of saliva? He can tell you the approximate age of the person, whether they're male or female, the color of their hair, how tall they are, what their health conditions are, the whole host from that one little speck of saliva. And you see, that's what we're supposed to be teaching boys and girls in public school. 
Because science is supposed to be about the truth, right? Not about emotion. And not about sentiment, but about truth. About factual information. You hear all these people talking about facts, facts, facts. And when they were talk about the Bible, well, how do you know that it's true? How do you know that it hasn't been changed? And blah, blah, blah. Well, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered and all of the various um, pieces and fragments were put together and then they were analyzed. And what's really, really interesting is uh, the, the study with DNA in the 1920s, and now, of course, it, it's full-blown, although they're still discovering things. But when they analyzed the Dead Sea Scrolls, lo and behold, they come to find that they were written, that what was written on them is the same as what we have in our hands today. Yes. The Bible has not been changed. Oh, but it has. Well, because it was written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. And so when you translate, you follow, to another language, well, that's a change. But you say, well, well, yes, it's a, cha a change from one language to the next. Ah, ah, but the information was not changed. You understand? The message was not changed. The meaning was not changed. The meaning, the message, and the content, the information is the same. And that content is eternal. And God's standard of morality is eternal. Make no mistake about it. Sadly, I learned recently that Disney now is removing, right? They're not going to have uh, men, uh, male or female, or boys or girls. Because that's offensive. What in the world? I'll tell you what it is. It's wickedness. And we have our government to thank for that. I've been preaching this for I don't know how many years now. There is a portion in the government, people who serve in positions of leadership that are anti-Christ and anti-God. And they seek to undermine everything that the ch church stands for. Make no mistake about it and don't live with your head in the sand. You say, well, I thought you're not to judge. Yes, but we're to judge between that which is right and that which is wrong. So, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. That's the first epistle of John. So that's back toward the book of Revelation. The first epistle of John in chapter 4. Now notice what he says here. Beloved, in verse 1, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. So what does that mean? It means that you have to discern or distinguish. That's another word. 
you have to recognize. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Notice what he says. The person denies the fact that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. If they deny that, they are not speaking the truth of God. He goes on to say, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You hear that? Yes, we are to judge. We are to distinguish. We are to discern between right and wrong, between truth and that which is false. And this idea of confusion of genders, that is wickedness and nothing less. Then, turning back to Matthew chapter 7, let's read just a little odd in the chapter here. So back to Matthew chapter 7. Beginning at verse 15. Beware of false prophets. How are you going to know if they're false if you don't judge? Right? You see the point that we're making? The point that we're making is, is Jesus is not talking about you not being able to make a decision or, or being able to distinguish right from wrong. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And this refers not just to preachers. This also refers to leaders and other people. Anyone who has influence. Go back, go back in the history of the U.S. And look at who was in positions or who were, who were in positions of power when certain things Certain laws, certain ordinances were then changed in America and the impact, the negative impact that it has had upon the country. And this is what you're going to discover. Those people who spoke so smoothly and so nicely 
Judging. Now, using your own standard, Jesus says, might result in serious consequences. But that goes not just for individuals, but also for a country and the leaders who run that country. Again, the greatest example in the Bible is the nation of Israel. When they had a godly leader, who led them. And the people worshiped the Lord and they prospered. But when an ungodly leader came to power, no matter how popular, they then rejected God's standard, began to worship idols, became completely and totally immoral. And then suffered the judgment of God over and over and over again. Do you think abortion is something new? It is, it, no, it's, it's been around for thousands of years. Child sacrifice. And right there in the Valley of Hinnom, the Jewish people practiced that. Offering their children, their babies and their children, to false gods. God is the only righteous judge with the authority to condemn. But God's children are to know the difference between right and wrong and we're to stand up for it. Now he goes on. Judgment involves both the heart and vision. You know, we find it easy to focus on the faults of others, don't we? We find that very easy to do. And sometimes we exaggerate the faults of others. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been on the phone? Or maybe talking and you know, maybe you're out to lunch and you're talking to someone and you're, you're talking about so-and-so or several so-and-sos. And you know, to just make the, the story just a little more interesting, you add just a little, you know, hyperbole in there, okay? We're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to talk about anyone. Unless we have something good to say about them. 
And we do that while at the same time overlooking our own faults. Hypocrisy, or the double standard. We don't like to admit it, but the fact is, is that every single person in this room is guilty of it. Oh, I wish I could say I'd never spoke badly about someone. The fact is, I have. And so have you. And so has your sweet little grandmother. Now, Jesus uses this, this example, a speck, right, a little sliver of your own eye, or in, in, the, in the person's eye that, that you're condemning. But you have this beam or two by four in your own eye or in your own life. He uses that to make a point. There's a reason for those three fingers to be pointing back at you. Because generally, you're guilty of more than what you're judging that other person of. And we don't like to admit it. So our third point here, consistent self-examination is of great benefit. An honest, Holy Spirit-guided self-reflection should result in conviction and confession. God the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. He points it out in our lives. You've got this going on in your life. But he doesn't do it to discourage. You see, God is not in the business of discouraging us but rather encouraging us. God is not in the business of, of rejecting us, but rather embracing us. You follow? But when we come to him, we must come sincerely seeking him. Honest, Holy Spirit-guided guided self-reflection should result in conviction and then confession. You say, yes, Lord, I'm guilty. Yes, I am. I am. Forgive me. Sincere confession results in forgiveness and gratitude. You read that over and again in 1 John, that first chapter, verses 8, 9, and 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, confession and forgiveness, or uh, let me go back there to be, forgiveness should result in gratitude, right? So we're forgiven, and we should be grateful for that forgiveness. But then, confession, forgiveness, and gratitude, and I, I, I highlighted, should, should result in humility and clarity of vision. This whole idea that Jesus is talking about there, the speck in the beam, the speck in the beam, right? The little sliver in the other person's eye, but the beam in the clarity of vision, vision of heart and soul, taking an honest self-reflection. Who are you to judge someone else? If God the Holy Spirit gives accurate discernment and empowers a humble heart, for effective service. Jesus said, deal with the situation in your own lives, and when you've done that, then you're able to help your brother. We're out of time. So we'll continue uh, next week where we left off here.
We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And you notice how these, these hymns, they, they, they go right along with, with the message. Open my eyes that I may see. So maybe you've been uh, rather judgmental. Maybe you've been finding it rather easy to, to be extremely critical of others. You need to repent of that. You need to give that to the Lord and ask God to forgive you. Let's stand, please, as we sing. Now, maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. As we sit, you give your heart to him. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to forgive you of your sins. And you can do that through prayer, just to ask him. And he will forgive you. As we sing. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.